Welcome to episode 5 of Tower Time, recorded on the 7th of August 2018. On today's Arena Valor podcast, we will discuss the upcoming patch as shown on the Taiwan server, close out our discussion on the IWC, and begin to look ahead to the next season of competitive play. I'm TJ, an esports shoutcaster and host of the Tower Dive podcast. Joining me tonight, I have the head writer of Samurai Gamers and man screaming about new support items, D2. Support it- items! Also with us in the rotating guest seat is Team Captain of Allegiance and the North American World Cup team, Rest. Hello, I'm glad to be here. You do not sound glad to be here, but <laughs> it's fine. Jump, unfortunately, couldn't make it this week, not due to us holding him hostage, but because he was a hostage to another family commitment. We hope to have him on in the future. Let's open things up by talking about some general topics. I'd like to, we've talked, of course, about the viewing and the talent experience in the AWC. How was your experience rest playing at the AWC? It was cool to be able to play against all the other teams and meet everyone that I've been studying videos on for the past few months. I want I want the hotel room juice, though, because you're the first... Wow, that sounds like a hell of a euphemism. I do not want the hotel room juice, but I want your <laughs> experience as the first player we've had on who attended both the boot camp and the World Cup. What was it like to be a player in an environment like that in the first Western competition for Arena of Valor? Yeah, it was a good experience. We got treated pretty well by Tencent, and... Being able to travel to Thailand was a very unique experience, seeing how big the game is there and the potential it could have in North America. Do you feel like we're headed there? Do you think we're on track to hit the same heights that the game has in Thailand? Um, Not yet, but I have faith in Tencent. Coming out of the AWC, both of you actually have the benefit of playing the video game at a higher level than I have. But even I have experienced the effects of the AWC. There's a whole lot of Crixies in my casual games these days. What else have you guys noticed changing as a direct result of the AWC, and do you think it's merited? To be completely honest, I haven't had a lot of playing time in the past week, which is the, I think, the bulk of the AWC's influence. Um, prior to that, I did see a lot of Crixie, but and a lot of um, Grack, comparatively speaking, uh, though that he wasn't too, you know, missing from the meta before, and because people love their big hooky guy. But uh, yes. Rex, I'm going to leave this one to you. <laughs> um, so Crixie and Grack weren't really played at high elo until the AWC, and I realized how strong they actually are, and now you just see it basically every single game. And to me, that's kind of interesting, because I think the competitive meta definitely skews towards control-focused characters for obvious reasons, but somebody like Grack isn't nearly as useful in a matchmaking situation, because so much of him relies on follow-up, which you can't expect from whoever you get queued into. Yeah, I think, especially because, you know, we as Samurai Gamers make one of the more looked-at tier lists, uh, it's funny when people complain about, you know, oh, this person was in this competitive tournament. It's like, well, you know, there's, there's a big difference between when you go on solo queue, or even do or triple queue, um, and you're picking a character, and you're really relying on your teammates, like a Grack or a Mina, or, you know, something that, someone who really is support focused and you know doing that in a highly competitive environment where that clear that hero is clearly a lot better because you have the support of your teammates who know how to play around your abilities so it's a bit different obviously you can still win with those characters but um you're going to be seeing more heavy heavy carry carry characters in you know solo queue even multiple of those characters whereas i feel like even to this day you know you'll see like you know violet lindis that kind of stuff 
in in professional play, but you also see a lot of you know heavy focus on solo laners uh, more so than you'll see in solo queue. Am I supposed to add on to that? Yeah, that was an awkward <laughs> silence for you, Rust. Uh, I kind of forgot what the question was, to be honest, at this point. You can just be like, yeah, I agree, Daniel, and then we'll edit it so that you sound super on the ball. Okay. Yeah, I agree, Daniel. Nailed it. All of that staying in. Let's talk about the upcoming <laughs> okay. patch. Uh, specifically for the Taiwan server, and I do want to draw that line. When we talk about features right now, we're talking about features that have been teased from the North American server, but haven't been promised, and these may undergo substantial revision before they reach us. In the past, however, changes made to the Taiwanese version of the game typically eventually make their way to us. So, the changes teased... Notably, and I'd like to first of all take offense at this, the Dark Slayer is now Demon God Caesar, which I have opinions on. When you kill him, you get a 90 second regen buff to both your mana and HP, basically equivalent to what the home base now gives you, and you get the ability to summon a Sky Dragon, which marches down the lane and attacks the first tower in sight. Rest, you're the competitive player. We have mechanics like this in other games where you can summon monsters to attack enemy bases. How do you feel that's going to change the AOV meta? Uh, yeah, I definitely think that there'll be different team comps coming out. Because right now you've had to basically run an ADC in the jungle every single time um, in competitive play. That way you can push down those towers. But maybe with the Sky Dragon, depending how strong it is, you might not have to. You might not have to anymore. And that would allow people to play more tanky compositions um i think it's just gonna depend on how good that sky dragon is and but yeah you could potentially see a tank meta coming back out like north america used to have significant changes being made to the abyssal dragon first off he no longer just gives gold he now gives a buff to every member of the team Similar to the way the old Dark Slayer worked, dissimilar to the way the old Dark Slayer worked, he gives a specific buff to each different role on the team, I think as classified by the characters. So I'm going to go down the list and rest. I'm, I'm going to say don't on D2, but rest. I need you to interject with like, ooh, when there's something that sounds especially important. Okay? Um, okay. That was good practice. So, for tank characters, you get a buff called Immortal Body, which heals you for 1% of your max HP every second. For warrior characters, you get a buff called Violent Fist, which increases your attack damage by 50 plus 10%. Assassin. Ooh. That was good. Assassin. Yeah. Soul Reaver Blade receives 100 armor penetration, 75 magic armor penetration, and 20 movement speed. Mage, uh. Eyes of Chaos, increases your, your AP by 75 plus 15%. That's actually Ooh. terrifying. Marksman, Arrow of the Stars, your crit rate, plus 10% gain, and 15% armor penetration. Wow. That's a lot. I thought I read that wrong because that's insane. But that is um, nuts. It's like a third of Muramasa. And then supports finally get Braveheart, which every five seconds nearby allies recover 100 HP and 50 mana. Hmm. <laughs> I 
rest is overwhelmed in emotion. Uh, <laughs> my thought, my thoughts on this are that uh, first of all, I believe that this is probably going to be, con you know, corresponding to the main label of the hero rather than the secondary, which will make people really look at which label they are. Either that, or there's kind of like a half and half effect or something like that going on. Probably but, the former. Yeah. First of all, you have to really pay attention to what your main thing is, and second, it makes you play around what that main thing is. A lot of times, you know. You know, you'll see, for instance, um, Teamy, right? You'll play him as like a mage, even though he's supposed to be support. But now you really have to play him as a support if you're going to be focusing around the Abyssal Dragon buff, right? Or at least for the, that, the duration of the buff. So it, it's interesting how you build your build, your item build, and like the way you play your hero based on the buffs that the Abyssal Dragon gives. Uh, it makes things a little bit more complicated, but it also kind of, um, I would say, pigeonholes you a little bit into your role. Uh, for instance, like like for instance, if you have if you're playing Joker, you don't really want critical chance. You know, it's so it's going to be way more useful on certain heroes rather than others. And so playing on the Abyssal Dragon will kind of shake up the meta a little bit. Isn't the Abyssal Dragon spawning a little bit later in the game now too? Yeah, it's it's changes from it changes into the Abyssal Dragon the ten minute mark. Yeah, so it's later in the game. And then if you take like the Abyssal Dragon, then you get a like a curse on you where it's hard to take the. Demon God, or if you take the Demon God, then you get a curse on you. It's hard to take a Abyssal Dragon. Caesar, <laughs> or Caesar. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, so if you take, yeah, same thing. So fifty percent. Uh, so you can still take it, but you have to be like way, 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 way ahead. Yeah. How do you think that changes things, Russ? Do you think that's going to put more or less priority on the Abyssal Dragon? I I would argue Abyssal Dragon is less obviously an early slash late game objective. The early game is going to be a lot less focused on who gets first abyssal. And I think it already the meta shifted already away from the who gets the first abyssal. As you notice in Korea versus Thailand in that last game, they just completely ignored the abyssal dragon. They kept giving it to Thailand, and then the Lindus would focus opposite side of the map and push down those towers while they were getting the abyssal dragon. Now, if only we could relay this information to the people in Diamond and Platinum. <laughs> well, it still happens in ranked all the time. I just like I we use your or I used your game against Korea as an example. Like, okay, Korea played a perfect game against NA, and they didn't even they just ignored the abyssal early on. So, people at ranked, can you please just not not type GG after you lose abyssal or stop running duo lane meta? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I don't think. Uh, yeah. What? Okay, that's actually interesting. What do you think people should do? Because it's very hard to be as coordinated as pro teams, and as far as roving is concerned. Or you think, well, like think that's hard? Solo, you don't really have to be that coordinated. You just like keep getting vision for your team as support and gank the side lanes and rotate around with your jungler. And just like see when he's about to gank, like when he's getting close to a jungle rotation, and then just be on that side and ready to push that tower or something with him. This is all part of Russ' new series on YouTube: How to Become a Conqueror Support. Yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> true <laughs> better not have more than three words strung together in any of those videos or i will be really disappointed it's actually the video i just uploaded is like nine minutes of me talking it was actually really hard wow he spent he's just like nine minutes i'm done for the next week <laughs> that explains why you're so worn out i'm sorry for memeing you <laughs> sorry in addition to maybe changing up the early game with the major changes to both of the buffs, they also added a few new items, and Daniel has, I kid you not, been messaging me one, twi three times a day 
for a week now to talk about them. Talk about your support items. I'm sure Res will be pretty happy about this too. So we translated them into Wind Gem, Windsel Emblem, and uh, Ring of the Kamai Tachi. So this set of items in their item tree, it basically the unique passive, you gain golden experience if you have the least golden experience on the team. So you can do what Res said and actually play as a support and not have to worry about, you know, being, you know, eight levels behind the other team and just keep completely dying because you have no actual defense. And then the other one is <clears throat> Water Gem, which builds into Purifying Bracers, which builds into Emblem of Poseidon. And this is the opposite. So you basically have this dedication buff where you can sack it up to two times. And if a unit dies uh, within 800 units, you can consume some of the buff to give an ally, a nearby ally, golden experience. So you're constantly giving your ally golden experience, which means that you can actually support them and not have to like run away for a bit while they while they get golden stuff. Like the teamy buff, except in item form. Exactly. The ring item, I don't know how to say the rest of that, so I'm just going to stick with ring. Um, it's going to be a really good item because it'll give you the gold and experience every three seconds if you're the lowest on the team, which you always are as the support, unless you get a bunch of kills early game. But I really like that active where it gives you vision of nearby enemies for four seconds. That way you don't have to face check bushes and you can activate it when you're around a bush where you think the enemies are. And you can go ahead and see if they're in there. And then the Emblem of Poseidon, I think it's going to be pretty good too. Just that way, because right now when you're a support, you don't want to take too much XP or gold from your allies. And I specifically usually will take level 2 off the mid laner um, because on the second wave. And then I'll get level 2. And then after that, I'm having to roam around and trying to be careful of soaking enemy or like my allies' gold or experience. And so with this item, It'll be able to give the nearest ally additional gold and experience. Uh, I think the biggest thing is obviously the rest is going to be amazing. We're going to be win winning no matter what. But for the rest of the world, <laughs> you it's very hard to ah. rank up as a support. I know, right? <laughs> it's very hard to rank up as a support, and this will help tremendously, I believe. I actually kind of worry a bit because I think support is right now the most valuable role, and I know rest will agree. Because so much of team composition, I feel, is predicated on what you're running in that roam support role. And it used to be that people were running Lumber or Oromar, and those two play roughly the same. But if your choice is Alice or Grack, that's going to completely change how you want to set up for your team fights and what characters you want to support that. So, I worry that maybe putting more emphasis on the support role will make it too much of a deciding factor. Well, the thing I would say to that is that there's the stats aren't great on these, and it will make people play more supporty, which is a good thing. Because now a lot of times people are just you know, soloing, <laughs> farming, or because the team won't rotate, or because they just feel like they need the golden experience, and just not really playing support the the way you're supposed to. And I think this will like kind of force people in or, in the, into those roles. And not only that, but you know, hopefully. People who don't typically play support will look at these items and say, "Oh, maybe that's how support should be played," and try to play around that. It'll have much of an impact on the competitive level. I think it'll help supports keep up in gold and stuff, but it also depends how good these items actually are, because they could just be completely ignored. Like, what is that one new rock item that just came out that no one even builds because it's garbage? Rock shield? rock shield a couple yeah. times on tank players well, for Korea. That was like last item late game. Yeah. 
But even then, I never saw Korea or Thailand building it. It was mostly just Taiwan players that were building it that were like in the top teams. So I think that part of the reason why people didn't play is because Hercules Menace was just better a lot of the time, <laughs> unless you specifically want the HP or some other you know niche reason. I feel like these are so different from the items currently available that you'll see people play them at least like at the very least there'll be situational items like curse of death or something like that where like oh i need this item in this particular match because of this reason so i think I'd at actually, least it'll have that value i'd like to spin this out into a more specific discussion for you rest about active items because it's been a while since we added active items to the game and I feel none of them are seeing regular competitive play. I've never seen a Bow of Slaughter. I've seen a few Rock Shields and a few Arctic Orbs. But the transition of Indoor onto Arctic Orb has basically eradicated Indoor from competitive. And, like you said, Rock Shield's only been pulled out as a late-game item. Yeah, so I'm not sure how effective... I think they've tried to like balance it too much on these active items, and so they just haven't come into the meta. Because with an active, you get a pretty big buff at that moment, and so they're trying to like figure out a balance between the active and the stats that it gives you as well. Um, so I guess we'll just have to see how good these support items are, because right now, certain items are very core on the support, and the support item that's supposed to be built already every single game, Buckler, has fallen heavily out of the meta, and I believe is already getting removed as well. Hmm. I wonder if it'll get removed for, for these items. I think, as far as Ring of the Kamaitachi is concerned, by the way, Kamaitachi means... Um... It just means sickle, so if you're... Nerd! Don't want to... <laughs> Sorry, I live in Japan. Wait, a Japanese wait didn't, you, didn't you translate it? What if it's just called... Well, I... well because... I, you're hopeless. You're, ho I, you're hopeless. Rest! North because American Esports is approaching... Japanese... You're hopeless! North American Esports is approaching Season 2 of Competitive Play. You're the first person we've managed to... Get your inside man in the NA esports scene. We asked, or I asked this question a while ago of Vitality for Europe. How is NA doing? Um, right now, a bunch of the teams are taking breaks or they're changing up a bunch of the rosters. So no team's really stable currently besides Allegiance. And Immortals just barely got back from China in the Kings of Glory tournament. And I believe they're even having some roster changes as well. But there definitely will be a lot more competitive teams coming up. And they're all pretty much on the same level but i still think allegiance is far ahead of them all and it is kind of an interesting point in na esports because last season it was you and immortals and nobody else and the gulf it felt between allegiance and immortals did nothing but broaden over the course of the season as one of the top eight teams in the world is there anyone that allegiance is worried about in north america no. Are there any specific players that are, you see in the ladder or you see have promise that could potentially, you know, group together and make a really good team? Um, I think Hoon, who was on Dino Riders last time, and I think was their star player that got him to win mm -hmm. over Immortals. He's a really, really good mid laner. There's another one named E.G. Annie, who's a good mid laner. Um, and then there is a side laner. There's a few different people, but they're all mostly under 18. Which is an issue since that's a age restriction. Okay, so if you guys are listening, Hoon and EG Annie and whoever else is at the top of the Conquer ladder, group up so you can take out Rest and Allegiance. <laughs> Our and I, I have access to Sui on a regular basis. Um, 
But how are Immortals doing, in your opinion? Um, I heard that there was some fighting, especially after they lost that tournament in the first round. So I'm not too sure. I just know that there's some roster changes and some people left the team. I know that Sui told me he was very confident in the future of Immortals because of how well they played at the qualification for the Chinese event. Uh, they got they got in over all of the other non-Chinese teams for the King of Glory World Cup. They did not get any further. And that was a disappointing result for them, but it should be noted the competition is pretty stiff once you're playing against actual Chinese pro teams who've had their game for ages. However, uh, surely that experience still gives them more time adapting to a similar version of the game, and maybe more insight on the meta and play styles of these terrifying Asian teams. Um, so the meta is actually really, really different in Kings of Glory, which is what Immortals was trying to copy for some reason at E3, which is why they're running like the Lumia and the Ganga a lot. Um, but with the roster changes as well and players leaving the team, I'm not. I don't think it it would have benefited them too much. Whereas we were able to go and practice against all the top Arena Valor teams for weeks, and play in a competition, prove that we're a top eight team in the world. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that we're a top eight team in the world. And so I think that we still have the edge over them. Fair enough. Going into the, <laughs> do you think going into the next AIC uh, in winter that NA can make a step up that can make it maybe make it into top four in the world? Um, if we qualify for AIC, I think that we can again. Um, I think our last issue we just got pretty bad luck having to play against Korea, and yeah. they made everyone look silly besides Thailand. Um, Whereas I think if we played against China in the quarterfinals, we would have had an opportunity to get into that top four. I think it's also kind of interesting. I put this together. Okay, hold up. I put this together like yesterday, and I want to test my theory. The International Championship and the World Cup, both events, they seem to want to have one of a year. If that's the case... Is it crazy crackpot that the International Championship is slightly different in terms of qualification, and the teams that qualify play under their own team name. Whereas the World Cup is always going to be a more national cup, mm -hmm. national as opposed to a club competition, and you're maybe even going to see like the US and Canada split up, and various European countries eventually segmented into their own regions in a way that will break up existing pro teams should they qualify. Um, yeah, I think that will definitely be interesting. I know that organizations would be much happier if their brand is being represented at these international events versus Team North America. Um, and then teams getting split up as well could be interesting for the pro scene or if they vote all-star teams or something like that in the future for these kind of World Cup events. Well, if North America wants an all-star team, they need to win one of them. So that's entirely <laughs> within your power to create. That's on you. Thanks. No, no problem. <laughs> I'm going to leave exactly that long a silence in there. And it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> well, we've hit the end of my docket and the end of my timer. So rest. The man of America, the captain of everyone's dreams, 
coming out of the AWC, coming into the next season of competitive play as one of the best players in North America, what do you have to say to close out this podcast? Uh, thanks for having me on here, and be sure oh. to check out my YouTube at ALG Rest. I thought it was going to be something like... I, I was I was expecting some like Korean esports trash talk or something. I actually <laughs> like Korea. <laughs> you left it too open ended. You just yeah. <laughs> there wasn't gonna be a reason there. Give They're me cool something guys. I can clickbait. I'm not a clickbait kind of guy. I've seen your thumbnails. That is BS. <laughs> D two, you can find on the internet should you want to at D two H S. I myself, Matt Esports, TJ. Hopefully we'll be able to bring... Last week was the first time I ever was like, ah, here's our guest for next week because they're scheduled. And then jump, couldn't make it. So I'm never going to do that again. But hopefully we're going to be able to have jump on at some point in the near future. We have a variety of other exciting guests coming up who I've been talking to lightly. Carefully not scheduling anything. Until then, you can subscribe to our podcast anywhere the podcasts are downloaded, including Spotify, which I didn't realize people listen to podcasts on, and Anchor.fm, if you'd like to view all of the feeds in one location. Thanks for listening, and have a nice evening. Oh my god, Rest, I'm going to edit this so well, and you're going to sound so verbose. People are going to be like, why doesn't Rest let anyone else speak? It's going to be incredible. <laughs> Just, just run them on repeat. <laughs> it's like, Dude, they did so much editing for all my interviews, like all the videos that they did on me. Also, did you guys see the the documentary they did on us on the, the freaking thumbnail they made? I'm I'm upset they didn't include because now I know what it was for. I'm upset they didn't include the shot of me like running up to you and giving you a weak high five. Dude, there, there like this. a story. Out of all the pictures they could have possibly had as a thumbnail, nice. <laughs> they do that. That's that's the best one. <laughs>